Most entrepreneurs struggle to generate more customers and online leads. Lack of quality online leads means lack of revenue, and that's bad for your business. Here at Investing in the US Podcast, we have partnered up with Ardor SEO, who have developed a system to help maximize your business and online exposure. Your experience as a business owner can radically change for the better with the right SEO team. And with Ardor's system, you wouldn't believe how simple it can be. So find out more by heading over to ardorseo.com. That's A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com. Now back into the show. I think the reason we were able to do it so fast is is because we have, I've, I've always been a big believer in narrowing your focus. I think a lot of agents and people in general can get distracted by like anything and everything. So I had a, a killer first year because I focused on 200 homes and, and, and then kind of spread out from there. But that was my start, just, just under 200 homes. And um, a lot of agents try to be everything to everybody. So I think the narrow focus uh, really, really helped and not getting distracted from that. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reid Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dan Lesniak. Dan is a billion-dollar real estate agent, best-selling author, investor, developer, and coach. Dan's hyper-local strategy led to one of the fastest starts in real estate. And since then, Dan and his business partner, Kerry, have developed a team of over 80 employees and brokers with a combined real estate sales volume of over $400 million annually. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and his story and his journey towards success but enough of me. Let's get him out of here. G'day, Dan. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Great. How are you doing, Reed? 
mate, really, really a lot better now Now I'm talking to you, mate. So tell me where you're dialing in from because I know this is, we spoke a little while ago, but you were in Portland when I last spoke to you. Now you're in Florida. Like what's you traveling around the country? Yeah, we got all all corners covered. So we, we a couple of weeks ago, we were out in Portland visiting my wife's fa- family. They're all from there. So that was great. Uh, we've been, you know, our, our real estate business is in D.C., Arlington, Maryland, Northern Virginia, that that part of the world that we've been running it from Florida since the beginning, really middle of March, I guess, because we couldn't meet with our team, you know, physically. So we were doing everything virtually, everything on Zoom. And we have a house down here that we Airbnb. And uh, as soon as the last person, you know, who, who had a reservation that didn't get canceled uh, left. We, we came down, we've been running our team uh, probably uh, better than how we were when we were running it in person. Awesome, mate. Well, I want to get into a little bit more about your background um, and the nuts and bolts of what you do in today's business. But before we do, the first question I ask all my guests when they come on the show is rewind the clock and tell me mate, how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Ooh, first ever dollar as a kid. I, th- I think I did the lemonade stand uh, <laughs> in my neighborhood, my brother and I, um, back back in the day. So I remember doing that. Uh, I remember trading baseball cards, too, at a young age. Baseball. That's kind of coming I back base- now, too. For uh, <laughs> Right. Gary V's got the, uh, the old you know, swap meet and garage sale going on, which is... Uh, which is awesome, but walk me through your journey and how you got to where you are today, and the sort of the the evolution of you becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, so I I you know didn't didn't think I would, would ever become a real estate agent. It's not something I grew up dreaming to do, or even really knew about, or thought of as a career. I thought I would do that traditional route of you know work hard in school so you can get a good job and kind of just repeat all that that cycle uh you know we don't have to get into that that much but i I did that i went to the naval academy became a submarine officer i got like multiple degrees became a defense contractor and i thought after i got my mba at georgetown that i would get out this big fancy corporate strategy consulting job with like one of the big three or four however many firms there were and the timing was bad it was like 2010 11 and people were not hiring then we were in a recession back then and they they told me you know we think technically you'd be good for the job we're not really hiring that many anyway but if we don't think you have the sales experience that was like the the negative experience or 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 comment you know that, that I didn't have this ability to go out and sell so I was kind of stubborn said what do I need to do to get another shot they said go get a different type of experience in life and I had always been a, you know, kind of investor on the side. Like I, I bought my first home with a VA loan when I was 23 and had, had been a landlord and owned a couple homes and was going through the process again in the DC area in Arlington. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll get my license and maybe sell a few homes for my family or people I know. And, and uh, it, it, it grew very, very fast. It, it ended up becoming a, a big side hustle and then something that overtook my job. And then I 
quit my job, never looked back, never, you know, went and reapplied for uh, that strategy consulting job. And in my first year, I ended up selling a little over 22 million in volume. Wow. And I grew a team since, you know, since then, uh, along with my wife, who I met, uh, who was also a real estate agent, uh, who I met about a year or two into that process. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you, anything you apply yourself to, you seem to be able to pick it up pretty quickly. Is that a innate you know, traiting you that you can just apply yourself and boom, you all of a sudden you start, start to be successful. Like, what what is that 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 you're looking back on it? You thought that was the uh, special source. Yeah, I think it's uh, just going after grit it. and resilience, and you know, my parents. I think I'll, I got to give them a lot of credit. They they did a good job of instilling those values in me. Like they were the parents who would not. You know, if you started like a season in a sport, like, and you finish, yeah, <laughs> you weren't gonna quit because you didn't like how it went the first week. So, right. um, between I think that kind of attitude and and pushing us to to do good in school, which in itself I think is a little like broken. That 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 you know, working hard in in school just for the sake of like going to a good school and like I think that's kind of something from a, a previous generation that, that somewhat doesn't apply but but it did instill I think that grit and resilience and, and discipline and and the Navy of course reinforced that so mm-hmm. well, I'm sure you know growing up with parents at a, as a young age with parents who, who push you and I was the same in a household of, of do good at school it it really instills work ethic, right? That's the whole, that's the major part of it. Um, but in terms of creating teams, and I know we want to talk about like getting to the nuts and bolts of that. So today, how have you been able to scale it so quickly? And what was sort of, what have you learned along the, the process in becoming an entrepreneur and, and really looking back at the, the path you could have taken down the, the consulting route? And, you know, you've done your MBA and sort of the more traditional path, but, but now to go and take the control, take the reins and take control of your life and build this incredible team around you. Um, you know, you're a thought leader, you have books, you have podcasts, you have an incredible team that does $400 million annually. Just to say all of that sort of stuff is, is a huge achievement. But what has been the sort of the stumbling blocks, I guess, maybe, you know, there's all the success and that sounds great, but what has been some of the learning points along the way when you build such a, a well-oiled machine, at least from the outside? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, we've learned a ton along the way. I think, I think the reason we were able to do it so fast is is because we have I've, I've always been a big believer in narrowing your focus and i think a lot of agents and people in general can get distracted by like anything and everything so i had a, a killer first year because i focused on 200 homes and 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 then kind of spread out from there but that was my start just just under 200 homes and um a lot of agents try to be everything to everybody so i think the narrow focus uh really really helped and not getting distracted from that having a great partner was extremely critical like i could not have you know carrie and i could not have done it without each other so i met her year two of my real estate career and at the time i had I don't know, five or six people on the, the team. And I think she had like eight or nine. So we were both kind of small, but growing very rapidly uh, teams. And, and we surrounded ourselves by 
like really, really smart people. And not, not just in the real estate you know, industry, but like Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, coaches, conferences. So I think, I think that helps as well. Not only because you learn from them, but you, you learn that it's possible, right? It's like, it's like when I taught my, my son how to swim, I, I had a hard time when I would just take him in the pool, even though I did all the same stuff the teacher did. But when he's in a class and sees other kids, his same height doing it, all of a sudden it becomes in his mind, I'm sure like, Oh, someone that's three feet tall can, can swim. It's just not, it's not something that's for six foot people. Right. Right. I I think when you get, when you sit down and, and go to conferences and meet other people that, maybe aren't famous, right. But they're selling tons and tons of homes or, or doing a lot of real estate deals like it, or, or, you know, making a lot of money. It, it, it becomes more real and, and you think it's possible because like when I go to a Tony Robbins event, of course, Tony's up there on stage and is famous. And if, if all I saw was him at that event, I might think, well, that's, that's great for him, but he's got some magic gene or something. Right. But when you see, like people that aren't famous and don't have the followings or, you know, it, it becomes more real. So I think, I think that's right. critical to, to surround yourself with people that are performing at a high level. It's sort of like the old analogy, monkey see, monkey do, right? And you see other people doing it. You see other people, you surround yourself with other people who you don't, aren't the Tony Robbins of the world. They think like you, they look to you like the average Joe, but they're out being successful and maybe have done something that you haven't done and you aspire to be them. So I think it's really, really important. Talk to me a little bit about your business strategy today and, and how you've developed it into this well-oiled machine. What do you do to make make your money? Like, it's, You're clearly an agent, but are you also a brokerage firm now, which you have agents underneath you? Yeah, so we've we've... We're our own brokerage. We've we've been independent for over five years now. So, uh, we the agents that that are at our brokerage are all on our team. Uh, so we're generating eighty to ninety percent of their business, their leads, and we've got a whole system around that. So it's it's one big. Some people call it teamerage now, like a team that's their own brokerage. So we've mm-hmm. we we have that going. We are going to launch a brokerage for agents that don't want to be on our team, but want some of what we have to offer, but not everything. So that, that is in the works, but we also do coaching through Hyperfast agent and we do events through that program and platform. We've got a mastermind and all sorts of cool stuff there uh, with Hyperfast agent. And in the last couple of years, we've really added a huge development arm. So part of uh, my wife carries uh beginning in real estate was working for new home builders. So she has a solid background there and had developed relationships with builders over the years. And we've got uh, a couple that we partner with on deals. And, you know, you can imagine when you're selling six, seven hundred homes a year, we come across good deals a lot of times before other people do. And we'll get them under contract now, partner with the builder and raise money from investors. and. I think we've got over a hundred condo units in in our development pipeline that'll all deliver in the next 12 or so months. Uh, Most of them are in Washington, DC. A couple are in Northern Virginia. Uh, We also have one project in Maryland. So we're, we're doing, 
a lot of development. So we've, we've got multiple streams of income right now. And I think that's really important to highlight. And I, I constantly say on this show that the true wealth is built, built through ecosystems of businesses. And just to what you just described there, you have one piece leading to another piece, leading to a third piece, leading to a fourth piece. It all feeds one another. And it's, it really becomes this mass machine that you can nearly step away, not necessarily step away from, but have it run on its own and it's self-sufficient, which is really, really important. You know, your people coming in through the funnel uh, to sell their home, but you might also have an option for them to help them finance a new property or a development arm. You have investors on board. You also have people that want to learn from you. So you have the, the, the education piece. I think that's super critical. Was there anyone who laid that out for you when you started this? Or was this sort of like you stumbled into it as, you know, as people responding to you, you responded to them by saying, well, hey, well, let's build this product um, that they're interested in. Um, we, I, you know, we never, I don't think we ever sat down and kind of had a, a, a grand plan of what it would become. And now maybe in the last few years, we've gotten a little bit more systematic about that and, and drawn up some five and 10 year plans of, you know, that would include other business uh, ventures we can add but for the most part we stayed in our lane and and tried to 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 grow and and scale that and then and then adding things that were very very closely adjacent so i think Mm. i think sometimes uh, people that have initial success can take take their eye off it a little too soon and 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 kind of go into other ventures or other businesses before they've like pushed their own far enough up that curve, you know, cause, cause I think the, right. the success and the scale curve is, is, um, hopefully I use the right term. I, I think it, uh, you know, it's like concave up or it, it grows exponentially. exponentially. Yeah. That's so yep. if you, if you, if you quit a little too soon, you're, you're missing out on a lot of growth because you're not pushing the, the ball up that, that exponential curve soon enough and you're, you're, you know, people will, will go back to other things that are either not closely related or, or, or it's just too soon. Investing in the US podcast is proudly sponsored by ardorseo.com. Online marketing for your business shouldn't be a headache. And that's why the guys over at Ardor SEO have created a no-hassle system that will increase your online traffic, increase your leads, and generate predictable and reliable revenue. So what are you waiting for? Head over to ardorseo.com and find out more. That's A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com. Now back into the show. No, I, I, I hear you on that. And it's part of when, you know, when growing my own business and we have you know, over 2,000 apartment buildings in, in Texas, like when do you bring property management in-house? Now, it's a, it's a business that I don't necessarily want to have to go start, but it's, it makes sense at a certain scale, a certain point. Like yourself, you know, when do you bring on more agents in terms of bringing, so you get a piece of their, bro, a piece of their fee or commission every time they sell a house because it's, it, you know, mass in, uh, the numbers are better in mass, you know, scalability. So I think all those things are, as entrepreneurs, as, as leaders, as CEOs, we, we, we struggle with, right? And, but, but back to your point, don't take your eye off the prize of what the main revenue generation in the business and, and don't, don't, don't let that suffer because you're trying to focus on something else. Um, but also what you said before, surround yourself with smart people that maybe can build out that subsidiary business that will support the main business and you can focus on keeping pushing that, you know, driving towards that North Star. So I think that's, that's, that's really, I think, really incredible. I think the bigger you get too, like 
but the more resources you'll have to go into right. other ventures so you can do it through a joint venture or a partnership where you're able to drive like thousands of leads to, to something so you can take a smaller percentage but, but find really good people to run it um, mm. or or you can you can start off with just almost like a franchise or referral system. So someone like you or other guys that have, uh, you know, 2000 doors or, or less or, or, or more, but whatever the number is, like maybe you get your real estate license, but you, you just refer, you know, your outgoing tenants, refer them to other agents and just get a referral fee, you know, rather than like building a real estate team right away. So there's, there's like a lot of ways to, to, to do it. Um, but you just got to get your main thing big enough, I think, at, at first. Right. Yeah. The one thing, right? Is it is it Gary Keller who talks about the one thing? Gary <laughs> and um, I think Jay um, Abraham, Jay Pap Papazon, maybe. Um, Papazon, hopefully, yeah, I'm saying yeah, it yeah. right. Apologize if I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, but they're both they're both Keller Williams uh, people. And and before we press record here in the green room, we're talking a little bit about how you the idea of having your own real estate license as an investor. And I'm in the commercial space of so being a commercial broker or agent. I don't know how it would help me, but I know on the smaller side, like the resi side, a lot of people do get that the, the broker license or the agent license in order to have a subsidiary income to support the investment side. How important is it to you to have the sort of the license um, as an investor? Well, I think it gives you a lot more options. I was I was actually talking to a group of investors at a, on a digital conference about this last week. But I think if you know if you have that license, it's a little bit easier to get the uh, sold information and that kind of stuff. So you can analyze your deals a little bit better. Uh, you can probably market them a little bit more. And then I, th I think there's more ways to capture revenue because you know, let's say for an investor, for every 20 leads you generate, maybe, maybe one or two you buy, right. Or, uh, if you're lucky, maybe, maybe 10 are just kind of tire kickers that aren't serious, but maybe there's four or five, six, seven, eight that, uh, really want to sell, but their, their home's in too good a shape as a, to fit your investment model. Well, you know, maybe those, those more retail type sellers, if, if you have a, an agent that you partner with, you know, you can, you can give them those deals. And if you have your license, you can collect a, a referral fee on that. Right. And that's, that's just money that you never would have seen if you, if you didn't have that. And, and then that agent will probably kind of be a bird dog for you and, and bring you good deals. So. Right. Right. No, and that goes back to the ecosystem point, like identifying pieces of the business that you spend money on. If you are an investor or a flipper in the resi space where you know you're doing high volumes a year, it makes sense to go and get your real estate license because you're paying whatever the commission is, 4 or 5% every deal to someone else. Well, bring it into your own pocket or have your wife or your spouse or whoever um, do it so you can you can qualify from, from a tax, tax point of view. Um, I guess going, moving forward into 2020, how, we, before we press record here, you know, and you said in the early in the, the show that you've had to pivot your business a little bit. You're you're based in Arlington, Virginia, but now you're in Florida. How has it been getting out of your own way a little bit? And I mean, being forced to be remote 
from the business point of view? Yeah, it's been great. So we've, we've been running our team meetings on Zoom and doing training on Zoom. Our coaching business, we've done a ton of webinars, hyperfast agent webinars. So it's, it's, it's been going very, very well. You know, the first week that the lockdowns hit, I made a training video for the, I made it for the team, but I actually put it on the hyperfast agent YouTube channel. It's like, I think it's called like how to do a virtual sales meeting on zoom or something like that. And, you know, I sent it out to our team and our inside sales agents started to book appointments uh, on zoom. If buyers or sellers did not want to meet in person and we were able to continue at the same pace of appointments. You know, b- before COVID we were doing 70 new appointments a week and uh, that, that first week after it hit, we did like 72 and now we're up to like a hundred because we we've hired more inside sales agents. And I think there's, there's, we had a bigger pool of people to, to hire from for sure. A lot of people, you know, lost their jobs, unfortunately, but uh, that did allow us to, to have a bigger pool and, and we hired more inside sales agents and, you know, we're, we're booking over a hundred appointments online. It, you know, they, they typically do that initial meeting at least half the time now, maybe, maybe a little less cause we're kind of coming out of lockdown, but uh, they, they do that initial meeting on zoom and then go see houses. Uh, we started marketing our houses virtually doing FaceTime lives for open houses and set up a whole landing page where you can take virtual tours of our homes and uh, added new lead sources. So, you know, we, we changed uh, a few things for sure and uh, just just kept moving on and, and got creative how to make the team meetings fun. Like we, we brought in different trainers for some of them. You know, one time we brought in a comedian or a sort of comedian, JP Sears. He, he joined our team meeting for 20 minutes and, you know, just brought some entertainment to, to people, which is definitely needed during these times so we we changed a few things and you know the the team has has responded they've done amazing and you bring up a good point how much and i'm gonna ask a two question two-part question here um i guess the first part is what you would have you would have had to pivot really quickly firstly when covid hit to like okay we're not doing in-person meetings anymore how the hell do we pivot really quickly so what technology and what systems have you built or have, have come out of COVID that you think will help propel the industry to more of a virtual tour type of you know, realm? Maybe not 100% virtual tours, but there'll be some element of that moving forward. Yeah, I think, I think virtual meetings for us will potentially stay around for a while. So if you, if you think about it, like you know, in the DC market and anywhere where there's a city, like having, having someone come into the meet in the office is, uh, a fairly large commitment of their time and there's traffic, you know, not now there's traffic, but, uh, you know, there's, there's all of that kind of stuff to deal with. So I think virtual tours will, will stick around, um, virtual meetings, I think will stick around. I, will it will it expand your reach with people who you may get like I know on our side just from a leasing point of view when we lease our units we had people signing leases and it's a little bit different it's obviously a lease not a, a purchase and sales contract but sight unseen because just of the videos we were putting up online 
are you going to see some maybe bigger reach of people who may be out of state or internationally? They're like, hey, I want to live in this area and they've got these great videos and I can see the house and boom, I'm going to make an offer without even really stepping foot on, on the property. I think maybe. I think, I think people, for the most part, still want to step in the house right now. Right. Touch and feel, right? I mean, they've, we've had we've had virtual reality technology for, for showing homes, I, I think since like 2015, I, I even remember Tony Robbins telling us that, you know, real estate agents might be out of a job in a year if, cause of, cause of virtual reality. And this was in one of his events in London and they, they I forget what department store, maybe uh Harrods, I think mm-hmm. was yep. uh, showcasing very luxury homes like like probably a, at least five million or or more and you could you could do them on virtual reality and like you know I, I haven't seen that technology trickle down and and or certainly to where people are like buying homes with it and um right. i don't know i think people still want to like touch and feel although like we we have we have sold homes in our past sight unseen uh, through FaceTime tours, through video tours, it's it's just a small percentage, uh, right? Very right. small, like yeah, like, no, like, it, like low single digits that, that it happens that yeah. way, and maybe that goes up, but I don't I don't see it going up to like twenty percent, thirty percent. But mm. who knows? Maybe in five years, um, that's like the only way we do it. And, but I, but I think we need some improvement in in the, in the systems for for people to get to that point. Yeah, no, I think it's such an emotional purchase, right? The first home or a second home or an investment that people want to see it. They want to touch. They want to walk the bathrooms. They want to touch the, the countertops. And it's very, um, yeah, again, emotional. That's all I can really say. That's the only word I can describe it as. But yeah, that I, I agree. There is some element that I don't think you're going to be completely, agents are not going to be completely replaced. But there might be some element that becomes more efficient with virtual tours that maybe takes a portion of, of, you know, the market, but I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be 20% or 30%. So um, the, the second part of the question I wanted to ask you was, how have you seen, you, you mentioned tours and, and appointments. Have you seen any dip in house prices since COVID? Because a lot of people are talking about that with the loss of jobs and maybe just in you know, obviously specific to Arlington, but are you seeing any price reduction right now on, on, on houses? We have not seen that. DC and the surrounding areas have for the last decade almost had very little inventory, like one to two months of supply and anything under three is considered a seller's market. Anything above six is considered a buyer's market. It's I've never seen it go like above two in DC. And uh, we definitely had some people, sellers who had health scares or, or concerns or worries. And so they took their homes off the market. They didn't like the idea of lots of people coming through their house. Um, we also had buyers, you know, put off their search, but, but by and large, I would say uh, slightly more sellers did that than, than buyers. So that the ratios kind of stayed the same and like, we still get bidding wars. We still, you know, our buyers still have to do like quick closes to, to be competitive. So I haven't seen a, a price drop. Uh, and, and I think another factor too, the median income uh, in the DMV area is, is fairly high and the, the price point, you know, our team's average price point is in the 600s. So 
Mm. We're we're dealing with higher priced um, transactions than than most people in the country. Not all, but but most. And if you look at what COVID did, it, it had a the 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 health and economic effects. Uh, it really hit people like it probably 50, 60 K or under, um, on salary, because those are the people who either lost their jobs. Like if they were in uh, retail restaurants, leisure, hospitality, their jobs were gone. If, if so that they were the ones with the most economic risk, or they were in like stores that were deemed essential, uh, or, or like service work that, you know, wasn't affected. And, and so they, they couldn't, like go work from home, right? Like you can't sell groceries from home or build the house, you know, construction workers can't build a house from home. So those, those people got to keep their jobs, but, but uh, perhaps have more of the health risk. So I think our average client got to keep their job and work from home and, and yeah. probably, you know, many people close into DC, that not, but not all certainly uh, that statement right. would be true. No, no, I completely agree with that. That the low, lower socioeconomic end of the scale it was definitely more impacted, and we see that, and that's what our renters are, right? We we have two thousand doors in the low to medium household income, around the forty to seventy thousand dollars a year. So, um, yeah, trying to trying to navigate that from our point of view has been 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 tough, and and we have we have been navigating it. But it's interesting to hear you haven't seen a price reduction yet. I, I guess with the with the scare of COVID, I know I personally bought a house here in Los Angeles. Um, that I was signed up to close in the March, and the lender just completely, excuse my language, shut yeah. the head, <laughs> and, and 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 left me at the, the altar, and I had to quickly pivot to a hard money loan. Did you have you seen any you know, on the financing side? People had to pull out really quickly. Most of our, you know, buyer clients, uh, residential clients have have been fine. I, the biggest impact I've seen in that regard would be on our development uh mm. arm and you know we we typically get traditional bike uh, traditional bank financing for our projects plus investor equity uh so i don't i don't typically use hard money but i know hard money got harder to get um right because that that market was affected and it was a little harder for us to to raise money from investors because when this all hit the stock market, I don't know what it bottomed out at like 17 or 18,000. Um, but it, it went down a lot from like mm, close, 24. Yes. Yeah, and it was what it, it was, it was up there. Right. And it's, it's, it's back up again too, which is, um, weird. <laughs> yeah. That's like the best word. I'm not really a stock investor, so I don't know much to say about it, but, um, right. Yeah. Weird to say the least, but it, you know, a lot of, our investors in our projects saw their portfolio size go down or they were just scared in general, or they thought, Oh, there's going to be like blood in the street. I'm going to save this cash for some amazing deal. Uh, one of those three bins. So we, you know, the only effect really on us, we, we delayed closing on two of our projects, but the sellers were more than happy to work with us because they're not in the, no one. yeah, they don't have a better option really. So, right. And that's the same with my seller. When I bought my house, I had to sort of delay closing for 30 days. I'm like, you go back to the street right now, you won't get the same price I'm going to pay for it right now. So it's a little bit of a two-way street. Um, I guess, do you see blood coming in the street in your local area at all? I 
I don't. You know, we've we've got the federal government that that helps. So right, uh, it's a pretty big employer. You can almost argue they do better during recessions. And you know, I told the team when this first happened uh, in the first meeting on Zoom, I said, "Look, like." everyone's fairly unified not not now but back then like when at the initial corona response and i said look there's there's they're gonna pass trillions of dollars of stimulus to throw at this and if anything government's gonna have to get bigger just to hand out the money like how are they gonna right. do it um right. and that's gonna mean more jobs in our area so dc is one of those weird places that probably does better even in bit. recessions and and really even if parties switch um it typically doesn't change the fact that the government's going to spend a lot of money it just changes what they spend it on but either way it it, it takes you know butts the seats to to do so i don't think you're gonna see blood in the street in the dc area you know if i was an investor i'd, I'd maybe look at um or if I was like thinking about things where there could be blood in the street, you know, maybe, maybe some of the Airbnb owners that were over leveraged and didn't really think about reserves and um, what would they do if they didn't get renters for a few months. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some areas that there could be potential good deals on Airbnb uh, kind of properties. So that's right. one thing I would look at. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that, I think across the board, no matter what, you're investing in single families or Airbnbs or commercial to the point of the stock market investing, like people value good businesses on their cash reserves, right? And that's what coming out of these sort of recessions to, to look at a new business and want to invest in one, you want to see what's their balance sheet today and how they, how they prepared for times like this. And, and people caught with their pants down, you know, skirting too close to the sun will get fried. And, and so, you know, I, I completely agree with that. Um, before we wrap up the show here, mate, what have you got planned for the for the rest of 2020 personally and uh, for the business? Well, we're uh, we we've just made two executive level hires, so um, we're excited to to get those people onboarded and and really helping us grow and expand, you know, even more and. You know, our, our ultimate goal is, is by 2021 to, to become the highest selling real estate team in the, in the country, uh, you know, according to the Wall Street Journal, Real Trends ranking. So we're, we're building towards that with these executive hires and uh, want to continue working on expanding the hyperfast agent coaching business. And we're planning an event, uh, hopefully in Q4, I think. I think the, I think, you know, I think, I think we'll be opened up enough to, to do it, which that'll be the, the third time we've, we've done a big uh, conference for real estate agents and we're continuing to, to add to our DC development portfolio. So it's, it's really scaling more of, of what we're doing already with, uh, awesome. with, you know, hiring like executive level type people to take it to the next level. I think that's, uh, Smart move, man, and, and, and I wish you the best of luck. Um, at the end of the show, we do like to do the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Let's go.
Mate, what's the daily habit you practice on track to keep on track towards your goals? Getting up early and, and writing down my top three priorities for the day. You're a, you're a pen and paper type of guy? For, for that I am, yeah. I feel like it, uh, it just connects from your brain to your physical body a little bit better and, mm -hmm. and, yes. and helps, you, yes. helps you do it better, uh, at a higher rate. I, I completely agree. I, the the, the to-do list on pen and paper, the, the action of crossing it out for me, whatever, you know, it's just like success, you know, you did it. <laughs> so awesome stuff. Uh, question number two, who's been the most influential person in your career to date? Ooh, uh, probably Tony Robbins. He was, he was like the first big speaker, you know, coach that, that I went to outside of the real estate industry. And I did, I did platinum partners for a year. So Carrie and I went to multiple events, always got to sit in the front row and like ask him questions and, you know, just, just like learning, absorbing his his mindset and thoughts on, on things has helped me in all areas of life. Yeah. He's a completely inspirational guy and continues to be relevant today. So uh, awesome, awesome stuff. Question number three, in your business, what is the most influential tool you use on a daily basis? And when I say tool, it could be a software or it could be hardware like a journal or a phone. So what's the most influential tool? Well, right now, probably zoom, but unfortunately, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure everyone, says that but i i think uh outside of that i would say my phone because i'm i'm big on social media you know, my, my team makes a lot of content but uh i certainly make a lot of of it as well so just using my phone and social media to produce not consume content right right your producer and Get your voice heard. Awesome stuff. In one sentence, what's been the biggest failure in your career? What did you learn from that failure? Mm. Uh, hold, holding on to bad decisions or, or mistakes for too long. So I think a lot of real estate agents and people in general, uh, either it's pride, ego, hope, never want to admit they made a mistake biggest and easiest example of that for us is you hire someone you think they're great or maybe you overlook one or two things and then like it doesn't take too long for you to realize like oh no I made a bad decision but then you start justifying on you know how they're going to change or, or what's going to be different and the, the percentage of time where your gut is wrong on that mm -hmm. it's, it's like single digits percentage wise so you yes. just have to learn how to accept losses quicker yes accept your gut and and trust your gut a little more i love it i love it mate last question where can people reach you to continue the conversation they want to be in your sphere where do they go sure uh you can go to um follow me on social media my handle is the dan lesniak on all platforms so i'm on uh, facebook instagram twitter linkedin and and even tiktok uh, you can also text me. I now have the, the community uh, text. It's 703-215-1684. Awesome. Awesome stuff, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect a few of the things that I took away from today's show. I think 
couple of key pieces of information is narrowing your focus, sticking to your lane, and to your point you said earlier about the exponential curve, not getting, not being distracted by something else when you could continue to push up that curve a little bit more. So I think that was probably one of the, the top things um, that, that I took away, but also how you are hyper-focused in your local market and understanding what the in and outs are, ins and outs are of how people will be affected from in- income to sales point of view to having to pivot your business to in order to accommodate this new world that we live in, I think is really, really um, inspirational. And, and overall, I think your ability to create a business ecosystem that feeds itself uh, is, is super inspiring. So, um, so did, did I leave anything out? No, I think you hit it all, man. It was awesome. Awesome. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Awesome, brother. brother. Well, look, thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your week. Remember to wash your hands and we'll catch up very, very soon. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Dan. If you do want to head uh, over to his website, uh, Dan Lesniak, remember, on all social media platforms. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial life for all about your own show. I'm going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go to life.